Want an edge over Vegas? Download BetQL, the app you need to get an advantage this season. Discover value bets, line movement, and find out what bets the public backs with BetQL. And the best part? BetQL is free to download from your mobile device. Head to BetQL.co and use promo code NBA for your three-day trial. Give yourself an advantage over Vegas and download BetQL. That's BetQL.co with promo code NBA. And now, he check. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am every week. It's a very special podcast this week, folks, <laughs> by my producer, Isaac Lee, Isaac Iceman Lee. It was a big day in Los Angeles yesterday. Uh-huh. One Austin Rivers, and for those Heat Check listeners who don't know, Isaac's favorite player in Clippers history is Austin Rivers. In wow. fact, for Such Halloween, untrue information. The last five years running, he's gone as Austin Rivers. Right now, so he, incorrect. He's oh wearing gosh. his Austin Rivers footy pajamas to work. <laughs> I didn't even know that those existed, but he's got them on. He looks very handsome in them. So Austin oh, Rivers man. came back to Los Angeles with the Wizards to play the Clippers. And the best part about it was I was at the game and I looked up in the first quarter. I think it was the first quarter. I I don't know. I blacked out and the Clippers bless their hearts. I mean this with all sincerity because sometimes I think the Clippers think that I'm disingenuous, but I'm not. I mean this very, very sincerely. The Clippers ran an Austin Rivers tribute video and I don't know, space and time started to warp and my brain was oozing out of my ear. It was Fucking fantastic. I immediately texted Isaac, who was quite dismayed. Dismayed is probably kind. Yeah. My brain just kind of short-circuited. I think a piece of my soul died. Um, I think that's <laughs> irreparable. And uh, it was shocking because I had looked at the schedule earlier in that day and I was like, oh, the Clippers are playing the Wizards. Austin Rivers is coming for the first time. This will be great to see Austin Rivers not play for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He was... Not necessarily my favorite player when he was on the Clippers. So uh, I was very excited to watch that and to hear that they actually honored him for doing so much, (laughs) so much for being such an integral member of the franchise, for being beloved in Los Angeles, for being a mess. I mean, like he left and LeBron came. And I think the juxtaposition there is is pretty (laughs) trade. Yeah, yeah, like like from one king to the next, uh, the king is dead. Long live the king. It was really an amazing night at the Clippers. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Why uh, are, we, are we are? We're, I, I don't want to get into that later. We, Can we stop it here? We're going to run a pache because it oh was just... Goodness. The Wizards are in free fall. That has to be brought up, the drama with the Wizards, but also Austin Rivers tribute video. I mean, the <sighs> NBA, every time I turn around and I think the NBA can't get any better, it does. It absolutely does. So we've got lots of NBA stuff for you on the Heat Check podcast. want to say first, thanks for listening. If you don't mind, please rate and review us on all of our fantastic ringer NBA shows and pods, if you don't mind. And then also, of course, we have great content on the ringer.com. KOC has a fantastic Clay Thompson profile up right now. Paolo did a piece after Ty Lue got bounced on why the Cavs should clear out the rest of the LeBron era. And uh, 
Zach Cram and Mike Bauman did a whole bunch of World Series stuff. I don't remember who won the World Series. It's not really important, but read their content. Don't worry about who won. Just read their stuff about the World Series. It's really good. Later in the show, we're going to have Jonathan Charks on the program to break down a whole bunch of teams that we rarely discuss. We're going to, have to talk about the Hornets, the Hawks, the Mavs, the Suns, the Grizz. This is for deep NBA heads. That's why you come to the Heat Check Pot. So Chuck's just going to break all that down for us. But first, there's been so much drama in the NBA. There's a ton of storylines. As we said, Ty Lue got fired. The Wizards are in free fall. OKC only has one win. There's a beef between the Warriors and an actor and, and a singer. We're going to get into all of the drama with our resident drama correspondent. Let's hit it. All right, joining me on the other line, he's a repeat offender. He's one of our favorites here at the Heat Check Podcast. It's Shay Serrano. Shay, I feel like I, I need to apologize to you because- You should. It, I don't know what you're going to say, but you need to apologize <laughs> before we start. I should probably just have a blanket apology out there for you. But so I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit, let the Heat Check listeners in on how we play in the program. You and Sharks were supposed to be on the program last week. We had this big show planned. We were going to do all 30 NBA teams. And then the Lakers and the Rockets rumbled. And I was at the game and I was there with Paolo and I was there with Jason Gallagher, producer of NBA desktop and a number of other ringer concerns. I was also there with KOC and I mm -hmm. figured, frankly, it was Isaac's call. And I was like, no, no, we shouldn't do this. But Isaac was like insistent that we must talk about Lakers and Rockets. So I decided to redo the show and overhaul okay. the entire outline. And so you got bumped ostensibly for KOC. And I feel like this is going to create some friction happened. between us. And if you want to yell at me now because of that, I don't know if I'm on your enemies list with KOC now. I feel terrible. You should feel terrible. <laughs> I rearranged my whole day to be on the thing. And then you tell me 10 minutes before. Yep. You knew they got in a fight the night before. Yeah. But you wait until 10 minutes to tell me. So yes, I no longer like you. <laughs> I've, I've a long time not liked Kevin. Now I super not like him. It's coming into focus to me now that everybody at the ringer will eventually be my enemy. On your nemesis list and bumped for your nemesis, KOC. It was a double indignity. I feel terrible about it. Like, create a lot of drama at the ringer. There's a lot of drama in the NBA right now, which is why you're on. We're going to break down all of the drama across the league. And there's so much of it, including the Cavs getting rid of poor Ty Lue. This feels like a mercy killing. If I was Ty Lue, I'd be pretty thrilled about it, actually. He started 0-6 and now he doesn't have to deal with it. He doesn't have to deal with it, but it was also incredibly unfair. This to me seems like you gave somebody a whole bunch of pieces of like cardboard and told them to build your house. And then you were mad that your house didn't turn out so great. Like he didn't deserve to be fired. How do you, how do you lose the best player on the planet? And then you're mad that they're not good anymore. That just is unfair to Tyler. I don't know if he feels happy about it. He gets paid still. So maybe there's that, but it's never fun to be fired. I don't imagine. No, no, I don't think it was fun to be fired. I think if they were going to like replace him and they knew that they were going to go in a different direction, if they got off to a so start, they should have done it before the season started. It's kind of like with Ryan McDonough, where it's like, oh, wow, the timing on this is a little weird. My whole point is just like that situation with Kevin Love going to be out for, you know, we think like about a month now. They have a bunch of players who aren't really starters so much as their complimentary pieces masquerading as starters. Like that was always going to be like a heavy lift Regardless, it, it turned out to be a much worse start than any, I think like anybody anticipated. But 
if I'm Ty Lu, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good. It was a good run. It was a lot. Of, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. It's a, oh, you want Larry Drew to do it? That's great. Here, my favorite part about this is the so uh, they fire Ty Lu. Ty Lu goes off with his money. There's a report that Larry Drew was going to take over as interim head coach, and like within right. a couple of minutes of that report coming out, Shams tweeted another report, which was that Larry Drew hasn't agreed to take the interim head coach title with Cleveland, <laughs> but will, quote, continue as voice of head coach as team could look to assess their options. Nobody wants this thing. No, nobody. That's so funny to be like, no, I'm good. I don't want to coach an NBA team. I'll pretend to be your coach, but I don't want to be the coach. Like, that's wonderful. That's why the NBA to me is so much fun, because stuff like that happens. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that he's like, uh, yeah, I'll do the voice of the head coach. I don't even know what that means. There's 30 coaching jobs in the NBA, and and he's like, I I don't think I want it either. Yeah, this is one of the most exclusive jobs on the planet. Yeah. And they're giving you one, and you are just like, "Mm, I'm a chill. (laughs) I wonder how much of this has to do with Dan Gilbert. Like because that organization, hundred percent of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, has to do with Dan Gilbert, right? I mean, because like. You look at the front office structure and the way that it went down with David Griffin and that, you know, they bring in Colby Altman because Kobe was in the organization already, but like they tried to hire other people externally and couldn't and the music stopped and there was plenty of chairs available and Kobe was like, I'll sit down. And now they're trying to do the same thing <laughs> with the head coaching job and they can't get anybody to sit down in it. And I think like that leads back to the top guy. Yeah. How can it not? You know, you remember the movie, Remember the Titans? Of course. How can you not remember that movie? And there's a great scene where Bertier and Julius are having it out. They're at camp. They're arguing with each other. And Bertier is telling him, you know, you're not playing hard enough. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. Julius tells him, you're only yelling at black players. You're not yelling at your white friends who aren't blocking for Rev. And they're just going back and forth. And eventually Julius is like, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to get mine. And that's all I'm worried about. And then Bertier says in response to that, oh, that's a great attitude to have, very sarcastically. And Julius takes a beat, and he looks off to the side, and he looks back at him, and he says, and I'm going to remember this movie line for the rest of my life. He says, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. And that's the end of the scene, and that's exactly what we're looking at here with the Cavs. Like It's all falling apart because you've got Dan Gilbert in charge who is built to have things fall apart in his hands. With regards to basketball. That is good movie callback knowledge. Uh, I want to do a quick aside. Didn't you just run into somebody at the airport from one of your favorite movies from Sandlot? I did. I ran into Ham. Amazing. Patrick. Yeah, it was wonderful. I was waiting at the airport from flying from Los Angeles to San Antonio, and the plane got delayed, whatever. I'm wandering around. And I should have picked up on this sooner, but I was walking like through the seats area, and I heard a there was a mom and a son I'm assuming she was his mom, but I heard her tell this guy, hey, thanks for being so cool about all this as they walked away. Mm -hmm. And I didn't look back to see who the guy was, but I saw like the back of his head. And I just assumed maybe he lent a charger to them or something, whatever. And then we're getting up to get on the plane and that same guy was standing in front of me and I caught like the edge of his face and he still looks exactly the same. He looks exactly (laughs) like Ham from the Sandlot. He's just got a slightly thicker mustache. And I couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. And so I sent a tweet saying that, I, you know, I'm pretty sure that this is, that ham is on my airplane. And then a bunch of people tagged him in it. And then he tagged me in it. And then now we're friends. Now you guys are best buddies. 
Now we're buds. You took a very handsome picture together. I encourage everybody to go and check it out. It's very good. <laughs> All right. Other NBA drama. So this I know came across your radar because I saw you tweeting about it. Came across my radar. It was on everybody's radar. It was fucking fantastic. The Warriors versus Josh Dumel and Fergie. Josh Dumel, ex-husband yes. of Fergie, got a little salty about... I don't even know how it came up and why it came up now, but last year, for those who don't remember, Fergie sang the national anthem, and I'm using that very liberally in, in terms of singing, sang the national anthem at the All-Star game, and it did not go over well, and there was much snickering and laughing, including Draymond, who Draymond got kind of like caught up in this because I was at the arena, and what happened was they were showing people watching Fergie perform. And it created right. this sort of like snickering buzz where people were laughing. And Draymond was fine until that started to happen. And then they showed Draymond and he was trying to keep his shit together, but he couldn't. And that's how Draymond got wrapped up in it. Anyway, Josh Dumel did not like this, took umbrage with it, called out the Warriors. And the Warriors decided instead of issuing the apology that Josh was looking for to remix Fergie's national anthem. And they did a video of mm -hmm. them in the locker room. It was fantastic. We're going to play a quick snippet of it now. That's so good. It's nuts. It's nuts. It is nuts. It's nuts. The best part about the video is that they're in the locker room and it's Draymond and Katie and Steph and Boogie and a bunch of the other guys and they're like really getting into it. And the remix, way better than the original version. Yeah, for sure. So the Warriors didn't make that remix. There's a guy who makes remixes of little clips like that. His name is, well, you hear him say it in there, Suede the Remix uh, Guy. Uh. And that's what he'll do. He'll take a viral clip. Like I think the most famous one he did was of the boy who was yodeling in the store. Yeah, but yeah. he'll take it and then flip it into a thing like this. He's really, really good at it. Every time one of them pops up, it's incredible. He has a, an incredible ear for this sort of thing. But they just grabbed his remix and they were dancing to it in the locker room. Yeah. I don't understand why somebody didn't get in Josh's ear <laughs> and say like, all right, if you're going to stand up for Fergie in this moment, the one guy you cannot call out is Draymond. Yeah. Cause he doesn't give a good goddamn about any, anything. There's nothing you can say in that moment where he's going to be like, Oh yeah, my bad. Cause he didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't making a show of laughing at her. He was trying very clearly to not laugh. Mm -hmm. He couldn't hold it in. Everybody couldn't. else was having a good old time snickering about this. But you go after him and and he's not going to be the one to like let it just roll off its back. He's going to do something about it and he's going to do something about it bigger than what anybody expected. Like I was expecting a lot of things. I was not expecting for him to be able to convince several of the other warriors to dance on video to the remix and then they post it on the internet. Dancing. It's unreal. Dancing to the unreal. remix. It was, it was phenomenal. The NBA, they spend all day on the internet making fun of each other. Yeah. On Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat. That's what they do. And you think you're just going to step into this and like get everyone to calm down. Josh Dumel was like the substitute teacher who thinks he can get the class to behave mm -hmm. by like appealing to their morality. Or like it's some silly thing like that. Like, oh, excuse me, this is not how we behave as a class. 
And then they all just fucking started dogging on him even more. Like that's what we watched happen. And it was beautiful. It was so much fun to watch. He deserved every, every bit of that. (laughs) Fucking firing spitballs at him. It was amazing. Josh, I think realized quickly what a miscalculation this was because he tweeted out Mm -hmm. uh, note to self, think twice before you call out the champs. But as you mentioned, think twice before you call out Draymond, he wanted to fight Tristan Thompson outside the bus at the finals. Like (laughs) you picked the wrong dude. It was amazing. Yeah, that's the wrong guy. Now, high five to Josh for having enough sense to like turn it into a joke on himself. That was the only play that he had right there. Yeah. And it turned everything fun. He could have doubled down on it and been like a super stickler. Doing that lets you know, okay, I understand. He understands what he did wrong in that situation. You just can't show up on NBA Twitter. No. With a fucking pocket knife and everyone else is running around with bazookas and machine guns. It doesn't work. It's the deep end, kid. You got to know how to swim before you get in there. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. All right. Other NBA drama. The Wolves. Still the Wolves. Still with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Just the Wolves. Still All with, of the Wolves. <laughs> All the Wolves. I mean, we could have frankly led the drama section with the Wolves, but I figured we'd give it a breather here. They're two and four. They still got Jimmy Butler. Shay, Jimmy Butler got booed when he shot an air ball the other night, and it was loud. Mm-hmm. And... Under normal circumstances, you'd think, okay, an NBA player getting booed for shooting an air ball, no biggie, except for he was at home. He's the bad guy now. He is the bad guy. He's looking forward to being the bad guy. Who knows how much longer he'll be the bad guy, probably in perpetuity. It doesn't look like he's going anywhere soon. There was a report from Woj and others that the Rockets offered four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler, ostensibly in the deal would also be Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight to make the money matchup. So far, Tibbs is not budging. Mm. I wonder if Glenn, the owner, is like, how many first-round picks did they offer? Like, or They're going to have to pry Tibbs out of the front office with like a hostage negotiation team. Like, I can't imagine that you get offered four first-round picks and he's barricaded in the front office going, nah, we're not going to do that. That's crazy to me. Yeah, that is very crazy. Now, the one thing I'm wondering is at this point, are we so far into this muddy, muddy swamp that Tibbs... Is just not trading Jimmy because he doesn't like Jimmy anymore. Like he knows the worst possible thing he can do is keep Jimmy on the Wolves. So I'm wondering if he's doing that on purpose now. Not that he loves him so much he doesn't want to trade him or he thinks he can be a franchise cornerstone, but this is punishment now. I'm not going to let you leave. You're going to sit at this dinner table with me and you, <laughs> and you don't have to eat your food. You're just going to sit here with me for the entire dinner. And we're going to be miserable together. I wonder if that's what Tibbs is doing. Part of me feels like it has to be. You stare at those Brussels sprouts and you think about what you did. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I think is happening, which would be fantastic. I hope that that's the case. I hope we find out eventually that that's the case. I hope that it's out of spite too. I think like probably, you know, misery and company is a wonderful theory. I think probably if I'm Tibbs, I'm looking at it and going, well, shit. I mean, like, yeah, in theory, Four first round picks sounds good, but if I take that deal, I'm not going to be around to pick those players. They're going to get rid of me. So I'm going to keep this together for as long as I can because I'm probably gone in the offseason anyway. It's really crazy though, especially with like regard to how it's affecting Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins and the chemistry of the team. Chris Ryan, bless his heart, has been on the cat needs to demand a trade corner for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think that's brilliant. If you are the Rockets, Another team that is in uh, a quite a dramatic situation right now. They're one in four. You've got Mike D'Antoni calling the D awful and saying that it needs a complete overhaul. And this is a D that was like good last year. 
But you've got, you know, you don't know what you're doing with Carmelo Anthony and they're not off to a great start. Would you be, I mean, is this a little bit of a panic thing by the Rockets to be like, yeah, just take all of our first round picks and we'll take Jimmy Butler? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a panic move. Jimmy's a very good defender and you plug him in and maybe it, it stops the bleeding there. But yeah, the Rockets are in a free fall right now and they're just grabbing at any part of the space shuttle they can to keep from tumbling into space. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For me, I always have faith in Daryl Morey. I'm like, well, he's one of the smartest dudes in the NBA. He's got a clear track record. Yes, they haven't won a championship, but if you look at this period of Rockets basketball since he's been in the front office, it's been the most successful period in terms of win percentage in, in franchise history. I mean, he he's obviously right. been able to identify margins that other general managers couldn't exploit and to do that. So when he comes up with a plan where they're going to offer four first round picks on my face, on the face, I go, well, that's crazy. But then I have to couch it and it's still Daryl Morey. But I, I wonder though, yeah, at one and four, I wonder if there is a little panic to it. I, and I also wonder, and this is a big thing, like you've already got Melo there and you're trying to incorporate him into the mix. Like adding Jimmy Butler to that team, just from a chemistry standpoint, seems kind of volatile to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. You're throwing dynamite in there is what you're doing with Jimmy Butler. We've seen enough of Jimmy Butler to know it's probably not going to work out that great if he's in the locker room and everything isn't exactly perfect. So who knows what happens when he's sitting across from Chris Paul for six weeks and Chris Paul is you know out here running around, bossing everybody around. Chris Paul and James Harden are perfect together. They, they match each other perfectly. And you've got all of those other pieces from, I'm talking about last year's team. Mm-hmm. They just, it, it, it fit. And now we've got a bunch of, triangles and we're trying to you know stick them where they might not go i don't know what's going on there i feel like though you didn't appreciate enough my analogy of the astronaut in the space shuttle <laughs> and how it's tied to houston and rockets and nasa it was we genius should, we should go back to that it was okay ba- i just it- want to make sure that you caught all those those pieces this is the part where the rapper is like he says the line again to make sure that you got it the battle rapper <laughs> you yeah. already you already won the battle rap I, I was letting it okay. speak for itself. I think it was uh, it was genius work by you. All right, oh, other thanks. teams, other teams in dire, not so much dire straits, but straits that aren't great. Oklahoma City, they won a game. They won. They squeaked one out against the, <laughs> the against the Phoenix Suns. Nerlens Noel got the start for Stephen Adams, and uh, Nerlens Noel, when he's not eating halftime hot dogs, not bad. But also, this is obviously not the start that the Thunder wanted to get off to. And they're still running everything through Russ. And Paul George has had efficiency issues so far. His counting stats have been really good. But with the exception of this last game, is he hasn't been like super efficient from the field. How do we feel about the Thunder? I mean, I think people had like, you know, relatively high hopes for them in terms of like being in that like middle of the pack Western Conference playoff mix. Billy Donovan is still there. I, I don't understand what's happening with the Thunder. I never do. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. I thought they were going to be probably the three seed. Mm-hmm. This year, I still think they're going to be the the three seed. It's just going to take them a little while to get situated. I'm going to say that. I'm going to pretend like this is Paul George's first year and they're still filling each other out. So I, I, like you, do not have any idea what's going on there. If they're ever going to be successful, if if Russie can be the guy. I love Russ. I hope he is, but I don't know. Who knows, man? Who knows anymore? 
Who knows? It's all falling apart everywhere. It's all, all over the NBA. It's all falling apart. The Thunder have one win. The Rockets have one win. The Suns have one win. They're all at the bottom of the Western Conference. Who are you more concerned about between the Thunder, Wolves, and Rockets? Like, who's the number one on the, on the Shea Serrano concern index? I think you have to put the Rockets there, not because they're more troubling, but because they were like the team who was supposed to challenge the Warriors. They had a higher ceiling. So the fact that they're they're still at the back is a little concerning to me. If we're just talking about like who has the least likely chance to get it together, it's the Wolves and then the Thunder and then the Rockets. The Rockets will figure it out. The Thunder will probably figure it out and end up somewhere around fourth in the West. The Wolves, there's there's no hope there. They're they're all dead. They're all on a submarine trapped under the ocean and they're not coming back that's another good one that was good like the space shuttle and now we've got a submarine one this is good i worry about them as well especially because their point differential is super upside down in the western conference only the suns have a worse point differential and like as dentoni said like that defense that was really good last year has been really not this year uh, and you had mentioned like the perimeter players that they don't have anymore. The, Luke Bamute is gone, and Ariza is playing for Phoenix now. And like, you, and then you add in like Melo, who's never played defense. The next time he plays defense will be the first time. And it's like, ah, I, don't, I wonder what they're going to do with that that team. I think I'm probably more concerned though about the Wolves, though, just because it's like yeah. it's such an untenable situation. At least with the Rockets, you've got a core where you go, all right, Chris and James are still really good, and they've got Capella and. You know, I think they'll probably course correct with the Wolves. Who knows what's going to happen? It's, it's just like such a crazy situation. Also unexpected. This doesn't quite fit the drama rubric, but I'm going to throw it in there just for heat check purposes and to throw a little shade at our Boston friends here at the ringer. The Celtics kind of still finding their way, right? Like haven't looked like the Celtics haven't scored. Like there, there's been this offensive explosion in the NBA and the Celtics not part of it. Struggling to score 100 points, they're right about at 100 points, 101 per game. Brad Stevens had said, he would he was asked multiple times, like, what's going on with your team? What's going on with Gordon Hayward? What's going on with Kyrie, who's not looked like Kyrie? He hasn't really been driving as much. He's not getting to the foul line as much. Uh, you see him stuck in the corner quite a bit. And uh, Brad Stevens was saying, you know, well, it looks like October basketball, which is fine. But we all, I think, expected the Celtics to come out gangbusters. And, you know, they're four and two. They've looked fine-ish, I guess. Yeah, they look okay. They look okay. They have some issues, though, for sure. They've got all these young guys who are, they understand now that they're good. Jalen Brown knows he's good. Jason mm-hmm. Tatum obviously knows that he's good. Like if You've got a group of people who now they're trying to figure out where they belong in the pecking order on the totem pole. Like Jason Tatum is probably at the top right now. And that's a little confusing because Kyrie and Gordo were supposed to be up there. Yes. So now who's two and who's three? Most like concerning is who's six, seven, or eight. Like nobody wants to be in that spot. Everybody feels like they belong in the top. And they probably do somewhere. Last year they were all young and they were just excited to be playing well. And this year they're like planting their flags. And that's always a tricky spot for a team to be in. This is why I put them in the drama section for exactly what you just outlined, because you would go, all right, well, they're so deep, right? They're going to be really good. They're going to figure it out, and they will. I mean, I I believe that they will. Brad Stevens is an exceptional coach. He's got a ton of talent. They'll figure it out. However, I wonder about that dynamic with those guys where you go and you look and you go, all right, it should have been Kyrie and Gordon Hayward as the top dogs. It was planned to be. Kyrie and Gordon Hayward as the top dogs. However, they're coming off of injury. And oh, by the way, while they were out, 
Jason Tatum was like, nah, man, like I'm already the best player on this team. And in a couple <laughs> years, I'm going to be one of the best players, like top five players in the NBA. And so you got to fall in behind me. And I think like right now they're trying to figure that out. And maybe the fit doesn't feel so good. Yeah. I want to say I read that quote Kyrie had the other day where he was talking about learning how to not need to be the guy who puts up 35 points every night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're watching with Kyrie. And then, you know, Gordo is still working his way through his injury and all of the, the mental parts that come along with that. But yeah, they're all, it's all up in the air right now. The only thing we know for certain is that Jason Tatum is not fucking around. Not that's all we fucking know. Around. Nothing else is certain. And that's why they, that car vibrates a little bit when they're driving fast. Little rumble. I think uh, what we've learned from this is that Brad Stevens is on the hot seat and Danny Ainge should blow it up. Blow it up, Danny. Uh, (laughs) Last one for you. I saved the best for last. Shay, I went to, I've been kicking around with the Wizards while they were uh, in Los Angeles and not good. I feel really bad for Joe House. We'll have to to have him on the program. House was very excited about the Wizards this year. I think he's probably decidedly less excited. They gave up Mm -hmm. 51 points in three quarters to Steph Curry last week. They went to the Kings and lost to the Kings in Sacramento. And then they got blowed out by Isaac Lee's Clippers on Sunday. Total free for all. Mm -hmm. They're backbiting. They're they're, uh, throwing shade at each other. A bunch of them called each other out in Sacramento. John Wall said, we've got guys that are worried about who's getting shots. You should never worry about that. Brad Beal said, sometimes we're worried about the wrong shit. Markeith Morris said, we're all grown here and everybody should be looking in the mirror. And if you can't do that, I don't think you're going to be able to take criticism. Full free for all, even by wizard standards, an organization that is like pretty regularly, their default position is just dysfunction. They're way ahead of schedule. Yeah. The thing that's wild about the Wizards is they have all of this stuff going on and nobody cares. Like, not at all. When Isaac sent me a text, hey, we're going to talk about drama in the NBA. The last thing I thought about was I never even considered we would talk about the Wizards. There's no fun part of it with all the other stuff. There's a little bit of fun. The Wizards just, it's just like every time they do a thing, you go, who cares? Like, who cares? John Walker scores 60. And we still would have been talking about Josh Dumel before John Wall in the NBA, which like that should tell you exactly all the things you need to know about the Washington Wizards and where they are in the NBA today. I have a slightly different take on this. I, I think like you're right in terms of like weekly drama, Josh Dumel, greater than symbol Wizards. However, if we're talking about like long-term league leaders and drama. Like we look at what's happening with the Timberwolves and we talk about the Timberwolves a lot and being like a complete mess and like being at each other's throats. They're new to this shit. The Wizards have been like this for years. They know exactly what they're doing. They're they're constantly going to be sniping at each other and you turn around and they've got another quote and somebody's saying this and we don't like that. And I think it's really kind of remarkable how consistent they've been at like producing NBA drama. Like they've been they've been the NBA champs at it for a while now. I, I give them respect. Ernie Grunfeld, give him a lifetime contract. Keep them all together. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the point. Like they're doing all of this stuff, but it's just not registering anymore. I can't even imagine what it would take coming out of the locker room for them to be like the A one story in a thing. Like if Towns, like if Towns does what Chris Ryan's saying and he's like, I want to be traded, that yeah. becomes the number one story immediately. Yeah. But if John Wall and Bradley Beal hit each other with cars, 
we're still not talking about it until like the third or fourth thing on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Poor it's wizards. Just, yeah, just poor wizards. That's all you can say, which is which super sucks because when John Wall is, is playing really well, he's one of the most exciting players to watch. He had that great stretch in the playoffs, not last year, but the year before. And you're like, holy shit, he made the leap. He's the guy now. And then now we're like, where are we? What are we doing? Well, I think it's tough for John Wall right now because he's overshadowed by a better guard on his team. And that is Isaac Lee's favorite player, Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers is on that <laughs> team right now. Clearly exactly what they've always needed. Uh, I wanted to run this last thing past you before I let you go. I know you're very busy. Austin Rivers, Shea, was in Los Angeles for the first time since uh, Daddy and his group traded his ass out of Los Angeles. And the Clippers bless them. I can't say this enough. Like It was really amazing. They did a tribute video to Austin Rivers last night, Shay. They should have. I, like Isaac, am a very pro-Austin Rivers guy. Yeah, Isaac loves him. If for no other reason than the series when the Clippers played the Rockets in the playoffs, and he hit like two shots, and then he started doing James Harden's cooking celebration. Mm. Like, I, I like that. I like yeah. that kind of player. I like that he had the whole dad thing going on, and people were questioning whether he deserved to be in the league or not. I, like He's a fighter. And he's going to do all the stuff you need him to do. I love Austin Rivers. I, I We should do a whole Austin Rivers podcast one day. We need to do an Austin Rivers podcast. I was saying to Isaac, Shay, that um, when the video came on, like the, the Clippers were nice about it, right? They put like an actual Austin Rivers tribute video together. But I was hoping that they would have been a little bit more trolly about it. Do you remember, have you ever seen the video of shortly after Austin Rivers landed with the Clippers, Blake Griffin did an Austin Rivers impersonation? Did you ever see that video? Yeah. That, yeah they yeah, should have yeah. just put that up as the tribute video. I encourage everybody who hasn't seen it to Google it because it's it's goddamn hilarious. Maybe next time when he comes back. Shay Serrano, you're excellent. Anything that you want to plug anything? What do you got coming up? No, just everybody on Twitter, unfollow John Gonzalez and Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was bound to happen. I've run afoul of Shea Serrano. I'm going to make it up to him. I'm going to get back into his good graces. Shea Serrano, thanks so much for doing this. All right. Thanks, boys. All right, man. All right. That was Shea Serrano. He's going to bring me back into the fold. It's going to be fine. That was him. And now we're going to go to another one of our favorites, Jonathan Sharks. Joining me on the other line, a repeat offender for the Heat Check Podcast. He's a staff writer and also podcaster for, frankly, hot name. Friday's NBA podcast, The Corner Three. It's Jonathan Charks. Thanks, man. How you doing? Good, homie. Listen to him on The Corner Three. It's a very good show. Read his stuff. Uh, a lot of gonna, takes. A lot of takes. So many takes. That's all the, the takes. selling point. That's why we had you on. We have a lot. Of, I need all your takes. <laughs> all the Sharks takes. Uh, we're going to blow through all the teams that people aren't really talking about in just a second. But I f- would feel remiss if we didn't bring this up. I think when we were all like ordering our teams for the Eastern Conference and the NBA pecking order before the season, we had the Bucks in there somewhere. I don't think any of us had the Bucks. 6-0 and and leading the Eastern Conference with the Raptors. They are off to an absolutely gangbuster start with Bud. They're spacing the floor. They're playing out of their fucking heads. I wrote one word down in my show notes. It's wow. The Bucks. I don't know what to do. I mean, this comparison is almost too obvious, but it really does feel like when Mark Jackson left Golden State and Steve Kerr came mm-hmm. in and like Jason Kidd, you got like this 90s point guard, traditional style of play. New coach comes in, opens up the floor and they just start dominating. 
Yeah, I mean, like, like Giannis is Giannis, and and we anticipated that he'd be dominant. For the rest of them, though, for the ancillary pieces, I think Chris Middleton has always been super underrated. Because he's nice, man. Chris Middleton is real nice. Underrated. People don't talk about him enough. He plays both ends of the floor, but specifically on the offensive end in Bud's system, it is perfect for him. Shoot as many three balls as you want, get to the rack, get to the line, and it's like it's like tailor-made for him. Yeah, he's taking seven threes a game. I, I had some stat and some article this like in this over the summer about Middleton. It was like there's like five guys in the league who can like get 20 points on like with six boards, three assists. He's a really unique player. I mean, he's up there with any of these really good wings, I think. Yeah, they lead the league in point differential. They've been uh just doing it both ends of the floor. It's really been impressive. Um, bigger surprise for you that the Bucks are six and oh, or that the Detroit Pistons are four and one. I was a big Bucks guy before the season. So like I'd say pride the Pistons, but they've been like squeaking out games. I'm not squeaking sure how, like, just, how sustainable that really is in Detroit. Yeah, I, I wonder about that too. Like I Blake's been killing it though, but killing in 82 it. games. And I think that, you know, every year we start out where we go, Oh yeah, Blake's really good, right? Like cause we forget like that he can uh, you know, he's got a little bit of a shot now. He's always been a really, really excellent passer. Um, he still has some athleticism, but like you mentioned, like how long is he going to be out there, right? Like he's always got issues with staying oh God, on the this court is, and availability. This is good. Yeah. You know what their point differential is right now in Detroit? Yeah, it's minus. <laughs> so <laughs> there doesn't need much advanced stats there to say that might not hold up. Yeah, it might not hold up. They're they're squeaking them out. But it is interesting though, because like with the Pistons, like with that new arena and the new front office structure and they got rid of SVG and they get off to a four and one start. And yes, they are squeaking out games, but like they're trying to win so that they can get people to go and like pay attention to them. And like they, at the very least have been entertaining this year. Yeah. Casey's done a good job. Like it seems like he's learned the right lessons from his time in Toronto and he's gone to Detroit and kind of brought that formula with him. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they can sustain it. Um, all right. Other teams that people aren't talking about. Let's get into these guys. We are talking about the Mavs, but, but basically because of Luca, the Mavs have been interesting this year. Dennis Smith Jr. Looks better. Uh, Dirk he had still, one, well, he's had one good game. He's been real struggling over this, the first couple of weeks. He, he had efficiency issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But this last, this past game was a good one for him, but I think like Dennis Smith Jr. Last year had efficiency issues and I just like him better next to Luca, which I didn't think I would, but, uh, Luka's been a lot of fun too. Yeah, I mean, the ones that I'll say, they've already lost to the Suns and the Hawks. They've had a really easy schedule, so I'm not sure like they're going to be a really good team this year, but they're very fun to watch at least. At least you can go to the arena now and have a good time. Yeah, how, you went out there. You wrote about them. Yeah, I, I went to the first two games, kind of talked to the players afterwards, and they're just embracing the new NBA. Carlisle was like, yeah, we might take 53s a game now. It's like, wow. This Which is the same crazy. guy who coached in Indiana and Detroit, played like 65-60 basketball games. Yeah, I was going to say, like, for Rick Carlisle to be like, yeah, let's just, you know, see how it goes. And I'm going to play my young guys and they're going to shoot a bunch of threes. I'm like, who are you? Yeah, man, he's, he's catching steady up with the times. You kind of have to stay around in the NBA these days. I mean, but how is he dealing with it, though? Because, like, as a human being, I wouldn't have expected <laughs> Rick Carlisle to, like, we saw the cracks last year where he was like, all right, Nerlens, you're not going to play. I'm not going to deal with this. You're going to eat halftime hot dogs. And, like, he was kind of white-knuckling it a little bit, and now it feels like maybe he isn't. Well, the thing that's helping him is, like, he still has a lot of veterans. He's really only playing... Dennis and Luca, and then Jalen Brunson too. Other than those guys, they're all older guys, they're mid late twenties, so like they're a little older. And then he has those two young guys, kind of lets loose. Everyone else that plays his older kind of system too. Yeah, they've got 
Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan and Harrison Barnes is a human being who still exists. <laughs> hey, my man, Harry B, the senator. Best two-way player on the team, man. <laughs> and, I got uh, love for you, Harry B. When are we getting Dirk back? Whew, it might be a while. Uh, they haven't said anything. It's, he had surgery like in April, and he's still not even on the practice court yet. So, I mean, the man's pretty old. There's no rush. With Luca back now, you can just really take your time with Dirk and let him kind of come back naturally. I love Dirk. I, I would like him to be around for a long time. The Mavs played the Hawks, as you mentioned, and, and lost to the Hawks. And uh, I don't know, where were you on Trey Young before the season began? I liked him. I figured like just his style of play would fit with the way the league is now. I think with Trey, the issue is more in a playoff series in five years when he's like still 5'10 or whatever. Can he hold up in defense? But for the right now, for the regular season, I think he'll be okay. They have him spread the floor and let him shoot threes whenever he wants. Yeah, he's going to run up those counting stats. I mean, he's going to be able to do, like you said, do whatever he wants. Just go out there and, and fuck around and take as many shots as you want. And he's a good passer. KOC had a story. You can read it on the ringer.com about. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe this might be in terms of rookie of the year placement, the right spot for Trey Young. Like I think a lot of people are looking at Luca and DeAndre Ayton and rightfully so, but like handicap it for us. Like where would you put Trey Young in there? I think whichever one of those guys team has the best season, I think that'll hold back Trey ultimately in this kind of award. If they're winning like 25 games and someone else will win like 35 in the West, I think that'll really take them a long way with voters. I, I think like the Hawks are such a, a weird organization because obviously they're trying to like, they're not trying to win this year. They've got Trey Young and they're sort of rebooting this whole thing. But did you see what the owner said? Uh, he gave a quote to the athletic. Yeah, team. I saw that. That was pretty wild interview. Fucking amazing. So like for a long time, a lot of us have looked at the Hawks and been, I never know who he was, but he's got, I got his attention now. I know he he's got our attention now for a long time. A lot of us were looking at the Hawks going like, what are the Hawks doing? Do they know what they're doing? It doesn't feel like they know what they're doing. They had like a really messy front office situation and Buddenhauser had to come out and like, sort of steward the front office for a while. And then, you know, obviously he wasn't good at that and he didn't want to be there. And now he's in a much better situation in Milwaukee. But the owner gave a quote to The Athletic where he said, let's cut the bullshit. I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I, Always wise. Thank you for that. It's amazing. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I can blame someone else. I can blame you. I can blame my wife. That's a bad idea. Uh, as a married man, never blame Brian, my wife. Ask Brian Clangelo about that. Never do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. But there was only one schmuck in the room and that was me Tony Wrestler you're my new favorite owner yeah I kind of like what they're doing now like if you look at their team it looks like they're just going to draft guys who shoot threes and they have three more lottery picks next year possibly so they're just going to draft a bunch of tall guys who shoot threes and see what happens I mean it's an interesting model I think it might end up working for them yeah, I mean, you've got those picks and you've got Trey Young and we'll see what what's going to happen there. And I mean, it, yeah, it could be an interesting reboot for that franchise, especially because like they looked like they were going to be in the NBA and they probably will be in the NBA wilderness for a minute here. But I think like just having some self-awareness and realizing that you fucked it up earlier and admitting to that, like when was the last time you heard somebody who's that successful and he's a billionaire, right? I mean, you don't become a billionaire by being the schmuck in the room. But in this particular instance, he realized like, I don't know what I'm doing in this arena. Yeah. And here's the thing, like they're running a process in Atlanta, but they're in Atlanta. So nobody really cares. Yeah. 
So they can run the process for like three years and there won't be like that many news stories about it. They'll just kind of be the worst team in the league and it'll just be unnoticed. And then, then if Blink can have like a bunch of all-stars in their team. And it won't be that different from like previous iterations of the Hawks. Like there was that team that, you know, won 60 games or whatever uh, with Budenholzer when he first got there and they were fun and interesting and exciting. But like for a while before that and certainly now after, the Hawks were the Hawks and like kind of ignored in the NBA. So Yeah, and they had no stars. And now like Trey Young could be a star if he shoots a bunch, right? And if they get the top pick in next year's draft, they can get a star again, maybe. That's like the upside for Atlanta. They can yeah. actually get some people who compete guys in seats. Yeah, that would be nice for them. Uh, I always feel like the relationship between the Hawks and like the city is sort of tenuous. You know, like, yeah, it's like, like a college football town, right? I guess. I don't even know. Yeah. All right. Another, uh, another Southern team that not a lot of people are talking about that we had on your list, the Hornets. What do you make of yeah. the Hornets so far? I had a story about them on uh, Friday yes, about MKG. And I think it's an interesting idea they could do is using him like Draymond Green. And I think that could really add some excitement to their team and give them a chance to be to surprise people this season. Yeah, so the my, the MKG piece was really interesting. I think like coming out of college, obviously there were really really high hopes for MKG, and then those hopes obviously went away. Like the, the you can't poor, shoot; it's tough. Can't shoot. So the obviously a very poor man's Draymond comparison is interesting. Here's something that blew me away too, because I was like, I don't know. Like I feel like with MKG, you know, if it was going to happen, it would have already happened by now, and. Like they don't really have anything there. It's already passed him by. He's 25. How is yeah, he only he's three years younger still? than isn't that crazy? I think he was 18 in the NBA as a rookie. He is three years younger than Draymond. He's been in the NBA forever. <laughs> it's I absolutely blew me away. Yeah, I mean, because he played with Anthony Davis that one year in Kentucky. And then it's pretty easy to play with Anthony Davis. Everyone's like, oh my God, this guy's gonna be amazing too. And they drafted him after one season. What about with the rest of the Hornets? I mean, like periodically you see like Miles Bridges will do something or Malik Monk. I think that's exciting. Yeah, Monk and Bridges. They're some fun young players. Which one do you like better of those two? I like Bridges because he's bigger. I think he could end up being a pretty good defender. But they could both be like high-level three-point shooters. They can push the ball, get those two with Kemba Walker. I think you could have something in MKG at the five, a small ball lineup. They're just now giving minutes to Bridges too. So I wonder if like that will be something more regular now. Yeah, I mean, it's only been the, what, week two of the season. He's earning some playing time. As we, I think he has the best net rating on the team, actually. I want mid-season minutes immediately, Charks. I can't, can't Absolutely. Just... I can't wait either. So Halloween, we already went next season. Let's come yeah, on. I need to, I need to get this moving. What about with Kemba? <laughs> um, like, obviously, Kemba is their best player. Obviously, if the Hornets are going to do anything this season, it will be because of Kemba. But, like, can he be enough to, like, I don't know, squeak them into the playoffs? It'll be tough, but I think they have to go small. And then they have to hope that either Monk or Bridges can be that second option. Because I think Nick Batum has really kind of fallen off over the last few seasons. He has. They're paying a lot of guy mind a lot of guys who really aren't producing. So they need one of those two young guys to make a big step forward, I think. will be because Campbell's getting like 30 points a game right now. It's not gonna last. And it hurts me too, because I love Batum. I've always loved him. I've always loved his game. You know, because he's he can rebound, he he's a really good passer. Play some defense, but like just efficiency wise, shooting wise, he's scoring wise, he's really kind of yeah. fallen off a little bit. He's lost a step. If he's your second best player, it's tough. He's yeah. kind of like Boris Diaw. Remember when he was in Charlotte and he was just terrible? Yeah. He went to San Antonio. Like you had to bet Nick Batum be like your fifth best player. Yeah. So really what they need is Monk or Bridges or both to really like elevate their game and to, to be that like 2A, 2B option for Kemba. But it's like you said, it's still early. 
Yeah, and it's just tough because they have Marvin Williams there too. So there isn't a lot of minutes unless they move MKG to the five. Yeah, and uh, like I look at their roster and I'm like, what is happening with this roster? Like, <laughs> not much. No, and, and and like nothing, nothing's really changed with these guys. It changed the head coach, and you know they move a couple of pieces around, but it's ostensibly still the same group. And I don't know. The thing that um, blew my mind when I was doing the story guns, I was looking mm-hmm. at their draft history, and they've drafted like Frank Kaminsky, Frank Kaminsky. Cody Zeller. Noah Vonley in the, in the top 10. Like, they've really drafted poorly. Yeah. Well, remember Danny wanted to give them a bunch of picks to move up, and they're like, no. <laughs> we got to keep Frank. Frank, Frank Kaminsky is our guy. He can't put his, his arms are so short, he can't put them in his pockets, but he's our guy. All right. To the funny. Suns. The Suns only have one victory. Uh, Against not, my Mavs. They are not playing for wins this year. However, interesting pieces. Uh, Devin Booker is recovering from a hamstring injury. We're not sure when he's going to be back. Aiden, though, Aiden is out there doing Aiden stuff. He's he's looked pretty good offensively. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, like, if they're not playing for wins, why do they give Trevor Reza $15 million, you know? Great question. I think that's why McDonough lost his job because the owner's like, oh, the point guard's Isaiah Cannon and Shaq Harrison. Like, that's just probably not going to get it done. Where are you on their wing rotations? Uh, You mentioned Trevor Ariza, but they've got TJ Warren there. They've got Josh Jackson. Like, meh. Mikhail Bridges, too. Mikhail Bridges, too. I mean, like, you need a good point guard, right, for a bunch of wings. They just ha- don't have a good point guard. I mean, I kind of like the idea of, with Kakashkov's system, just, like, letting Devin Booker play in that, like, Harden role where, where you're just like, meh, let him run out there. And it's like, we don't have, like, a technical point guard, but he's pretty much the point guard. Yeah, it's just, like, that's an adjustment pro. I think he's getting, like, five turnovers a game right now. Like, yeah. he's only 22 still. So, like, if you do that, that could work in two or three years. But right now, it's mean a lot of losses with him learning how to play point guard. What about um, like with that wing rotation with uh, TJ Warren and those guys? Like, who do you like most out of that group? I think I might like Mikhail Bridges the most, honestly. Yeah, I think he's going to be really good, the Villanova kid, because he can really shoot the ball. You're of pro those- bridges across the board. You I'm like pro all bridges. the bridges. Pro bridges, pro tunnels. It's good. good <laughs> they have been fun though. I mean, like in a bit, like I don't know where you were league pass ranking wise, but for me, like preseason, I was like, I'm gonna end up watching a lot of Suns basketball, and it's bad basketball, but it's like delightfully bad basketball. It's fun bad basketball. It's like it's they have like, more talented players for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like as individual pieces, like you know, it's not. It's it's like a good bad movie, right? Like where you know the movie is gonna be bad, but they're leaning into it. To me, TJ Warren, like if he goes to a good team, he's certain shooting threes this year for the first time in his first career. First time, and yeah. And they've, he's behind like Josh Jackson and Mikhail Bridge, all these like top 10 picks. If they trade Warren to a good team, he could have a really, I think he have a breakout season. Yeah, I like him. I mean, he he's a he bigger gets buckets, body. Man. Yeah, he does. I mean, like, but yeah, you're right. Trying to find playing time for those guys is going to be interesting. All right, last one for you. Verno's Memphis Grizzlies. Let's just start with Jaron Jackson Jr. He My was guy, your, man. Love he was it. your guy. You, you planted the flag before the draft. You planted the flag after the draft. You told me he was going to be very good, that he could play next to Gasol. Uh, so far, you've been right. He's had a couple of games where he's looked less polished than other games, but serious flashes. He's starting to get a couple blocks. He can rebound. He can stretch out and shoot the three. Is this about what you expected from him? Yeah, uh, Jamichael Green, like, I think he, did he break his jaw or something? Or his yeah, he's out, for, what it he's was. out for a second, yeah. Yeah, he got knocked out of the starting lineup, and then when that happened, Jaron Jackson just moved right in. And I think, yeah, he fits well with Gasol. The thing about him is he's so young. He's a year and a half younger than DeAndre Ayton. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. Like, he's just been so good. He's been advanced along in his career. And somehow MKG is still three years younger than him. <laughs> It's amazing. That's the thing about the one done era. It's really weird with like the ages and how, how long these guys have been in the league. I think like Jackson's been advanced along his whole career because he's been so like talented for his age. 
Like he's only 19. I see he gets to be a 21. I think he could be a legitimate franchise player for Memphis. So I think changed their whole timetable as a franchise. You think he could be a franchise player? Like what are, what do you think like the ceiling? I mean, when you say franchise player, what's his ceiling? I think he could be one of the best seven footers in the league, like an all NBA seven footer who can play on both sides of the ball. Yeah, he's athletic. He can run the floor. I mean, I really like his game. I've I've ended up because yeah. I'm an NBA junkie. I've ended up watching more Grizzlies than I anticipated because of him. Because I like I, you put it in my. He's ear. their first good young player in like forever. Yeah, and they have two good older players, but I wonder how much they have left. I mean, like Mike Conley has, I think, enough left. Gasol, though, I wonder. He's thirty four like, now. Yeah, yeah. Like, what what would you do with those two guys? I mean, why, like I look at this team and I'm like, if you're gonna bottom out, really bottom out, and like get what you can for Conley and Gasol, send them to a situation where maybe they could win a little bit and, you know, get some assets back. And the thing too is I think their pick is like top 10 protected. It's going to the Celtics otherwise. So they really could use to keep, yeah, right? They have all the picks somehow. It's unbelievable. (laughs) It's unbelievable. If that Kings pick doesn't end up as top one, if it ends up as top one, it goes to the Sixers. If it doesn't end up as top one, it goes to the fucking Celtics because the Celtics have to have more riches. It's crazy. (laughs) Well, so that's what I'm saying. I think for the Grizzlies, it makes sense to try to move off one of Gasol or Conley and build around Jackson. I got to trade for you, Gans. Wait, Tell me. Oh, I it. love this. Tell me. How about Marcus Saul for Otto Porter? I like that. I like they got to make a move in Washington, right? They got to do something. They definitely have to make a move in Washington. What are you doing with Dwight in that scenario? You just parking him on the bench? Uh, yeah, whatever. He doesn't make a lot of money anymore, so it doesn't really matter. So you he can just, be a backup center. <laughs> I th- I think backup center Dwight in Washington when they're one and five. What could go wrong? <laughs> he can take, go home if he doesn't like it. It doesn't really matter. I think he'd take it great. Um, <laughs> I do like I do like Gasol on the Wizards in a vacuum. If I was Gasol, I would not want to be on the Wizards though. They're a fucking mess. Yeah, but this team is probably isn't going anywhere either. It might be time. I don't know. Yeah. I want better things for Marcus Saul, though. I want Marcus Saul to go some to a situation where he could like potentially influence a team or, you know, like get somewhere in like the 20 to 25 minute range for like a contender. Well, so I'm saying in Washington with Wall and Beal, that could at least be interesting. Like at the very least, they're more talented than Memphis. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure, for sure. So and Isaac Lee's favorite player, who has been mentioned several times on this podcast, Austin Rivers, was saying <laughs> the, the prodigal night, son, literally. <laughs> He's literally the prodigal son, by the way. <laughs> he was saying he was saying how that the Wizards are too talented to be one in five, and I mean, if Austin Rivers thinks that, then it's absolutely the truth. Jonathan Charks, uh, what else do you have coming up this week? You want to plug something? Yeah, I'm doing some stuff for the college basketball preview. Uh, I got a big story about Duke, who's going to be so much fun to watch this year. I haven't. I've been checked out on college basketball for quite some time because there's too much NBA for me to focus on. Oh, Can you, you got to watch his Duke team, though, Gans. Zion Williamson. He's I've six heard seven, two eighty five. Yes. 45-inch vertical, and he might be the third best prospect on their team. Really? They have got an absolute... This could be one of the most talented college teams in, maybe in the London era, I think. So Coach K is actually going to coach them this year and not take a sabbatical? Well, I don't know. He'll just, hey, just go shoot the ball or something. Like, I'm not sure how much coaching he's going to do, but he'll be coaching. <laughs> it's hard for me to appreciate Duke. I grew up as a UNLV fan, and I harbor serious ill will towards them ever since they beat the undefeated UNLV team back in the early 90s. That's a deep cut, Gans. 
That That's hurts. Way, way before my time. I'll it still that. hurts. You were probably weren't even born at that point. Uh, read Jonathan Charks. Listen to him on the Corner 3 on Fridays. He'll be back on the Heat Check regularly. I want to thank him. I want to thank Shay. I want to thank Isaac Lee. I want to remind all of you to listen to the NBA show. We've got KOC and Verno on Tuesdays. The Mismatch. We've got Sources Say on Wednesdays. We've got Group Chat. We've got Corner 3 on Fridays. All kinds of NBA content on the Ringer Podcast Network and all kinds of NBA content on the Ringer.com. Thanks so much for listening, gang. Remember to rate and review us on Apple if you don't mind. Heat Check will be back next week. See ya.